As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service. It's wonderful that so many of you are able to join our online services, which combine archive recordings of our choir and congregation with newly recorded readings, prayers and sermons. For this reason, we shall continue to broadcast these services each Sunday, even though we've now resumed our 11am choral Eucharist in St Bride's itself. Not all of you are able to join us in person for reasons of distance or because you need to take particular care of your health, but we know that you are very much with us in spirit. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It is a great delight to welcome you to St. Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the 13th Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St. Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, 
and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Almighty God, who called your church to bear witness that you were in Christ reconciling the world to yourself, help us to proclaim the good news of your love, that all who hear it may be drawn to you through him who was lifted up on the cross and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 12, beginning at the first verse. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbour in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb the same night. They shall eat it roasted over a fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments, I am the Lord. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. This is the word of the Lord.
The epistle is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 13, beginning at the 8th verse. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us live honourably as in the day, not in revelling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarrelling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. 
If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. A couple of weeks ago now, Sandra and I took a week's holiday on the Norfolk Broads, sailing a 25-foot gaff rig boat built in the 1930s, a hustler from the Hunter's Boatyard in Ludham. Those names will be unfamiliar to the vast majority of you, but if I said we spent the week in a beautiful but very cramped sailing boat with no engine, exploring what we could of the Norfolk Broads, you'll probably get a reasonable idea of our week. It was not without incident, but neither was it without moments of serenity. In particular, we spent a night moored at St. Bennet's Abbey, St. Bennet being a shortening of St. Benedict, a beautiful spot of slightly raised ground on the River Burr, isolated in flatlands with big skies. St. Bennet's was the only monastery in the country that was not deconsecrated at the Reformation. The title of abbot having passed to the Bishop of Norwich, although the religious life and buildings were soon swept away nevertheless. The major remains on the site are the gatehouse of the former monastery, and it includes some stone carvings apparently inspired by the legend of the seal. This is a version of that legend recorded by a local resident. Many years ago, in the reign of King Henry I, there was a young monk of the abbey named Edwin, who wanted to follow his own will with an easy conscience. The godly discipline of the abbey was irksome to him. Many were the chastisements which his unsatisfactory conduct brought down upon him. He had to carry the lantern of penance. He was whipped and sentenced to punishments without end. He was repeatedly sent to prison, but all in vain. He remained unhumbled and knew no sense of shame. It was during one of these imprisonments that a pious brother monk, having obtained permission from the abbot, visited him to try and move him to a better state of mind. He might as well have tried to move a rock. To all his warnings, entreaties, arguments and expostulations, he received only one answer. His own will and pleasure were the only laws the monk would obey. The good brother, in despair, turned to leave him, but first put into his hand a small relic, it was a single hair of St. Benedict, and bade him ever to keep it on his person in remembrance of a friend. This touched the right chord. Edwin preserved for a friend's sake that which he otherwise would have thrown away as worthless. It was well he did so. Not that he seemed the better for it, but rather waxed worse and worse till one day he took the last fatal steps and ran away from the monastery to which his vows bound him. Far he wandered, following the proud instincts of his carnal will, 
neither pleasing God nor regarding man. It so happened that as he journeyed on, footsore and weary, a gallant knight mounted on a noble steed overtook him. Weary monk, whither goest thou? said an insinuating voice. I go no whither, replied Edwin. Then follow me, said the stranger. I have need of an esquire, and thou, by thy manly looks and well-built frame, art made for better service than the life of a nomad. Thou shalt have thy fill of pleasure, and a share of many a noble enterprise and plentiful wage. Lo, here is thy first coin. Edwin gazed on the heavy purse which the stranger knight held towards him. I will serve thee, said Edwin, taking the purse. As he did so, for the first time he beheld the countenance of the stranger. It was that of a hideous dragon. Edwin dropped the purse and cried out in terror. Ah, it is too late, said the fiend triumphantly. Thou hast taken the coin. Thou hast promised to serve me. Thou shalt follow thy will, for thy will is my will. He then seized the monk with an irresistible grasp. At that instant, a sword thrust and pierced the dragon from whose armour there flowed a shower of sparks and fire. With a howl of rage, the fiend vanished. Swooning with fear, Edwin could just distinguish in front of him a bright figure in a clothes vest and gown. A lofty cap was issuing out of a coronet. In his right hand was a great broad sword. He then heard a sweet voice saying, Those that bear about them a remembrance of me, I remember. But thou must return and do the will of God lest worst befall thee. It was Saint Benedict, and the relic given to him by a pious brother had saved him. So Edwin returned to the abbey and became obedient to his vows. During the period of lockdown, with our movements so curtailed, we have reflected on monastic stability as indeed did our Lent books this year, focused on Benedictine practice. We have noted the apparent paradoxical nature of monastic obedience, because it aims not to curtail freedom, but rather to secure it. By settling where and how to live out one's days within a disciplined regime, members of religious communities seek freedom from those distractions so that they are able to give themselves entirely to Christ in lives of prayer. The legend of the seal, of the relic, resonates with this teaching, but as a tale with apparent medieval origins, it includes references to the enforcement of monastic obedience that to us looks entirely inappropriate, to whipping and to imprisonment. Whilst I think the monastic traditions continue to hold great treasures for the church, their history is certainly mixed, and the church as a whole is no different. After revelations of sexual abuse and its handling by churches of different denominations, the failings of the church have never been more apparent. Indeed, for many, understandably, those failings entirely obscure everything else that might be said about the church and its blessings. In today's gospel reading, we heard Jesus' teaching, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This has traditionally been pointed to in defence of the church's authority. But as Stanley Saunders, a New Testament scholar, points out, if we look to the rest of the passage within which this is situated, to Matthew chapter 18, 
we see that Jesus outlines the foundational values and practices that are to distinguish the community of disciples. Solidarity with one another as children, avoidance of actions that cause others to stumble, care for the most vulnerable, and restoration of those who go astray, as we heard this morning. In other words, the church and its leaders are not granted arbitrary power. Rather, it is called to pay ceaseless attention to the interests of the least in our midst and to create the space and conditions for forgiveness and restoration to flourish. Jesus strongly objected to the Pharisees' insistence on minutiae of ritual observance. He was really not concerned with such things. In Luke, Jesus says that the purpose of the gospel is to proclaim liberty to the captives and set free the oppressed. The church is true to its calling when it strives for release, freedom and forgiveness for others. As we seek to ease social restrictions whilst containing rates of COVID infection, we should reflect deeply on our freedoms, individually and collectively. Life in all its fullness will not be secured in unfettered pursuit of our individual momentary desires. Rather, we need to look beyond those desires to a collective discernment guiding us to balance the freedoms in our own lives to do those things we want to do with the need to preserve our own and others freedom from fear of infection and from infection itself. This balancing act is far from easy, of course. Indeed, public health agencies of which I am a part increasingly seem to be criticised for overcomplicating things, leaving people unsure how they are meant to protect themselves and others. It's perhaps not an uncommon failing. A similar charge is often levelled against the church, as disagreements over gender, sexuality, marriage and the like play out. The wisdom of the monastic tradition is how it seeks to simplify things. The gospel points us in that same direction. As we heard today in our epistle reading to the Romans, love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Amen. Let's now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Christ. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory, to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. 
Let us pray. In the power of the Spirit and in union with Christ, let us pray to the Father. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you promised through your Son, Jesus Christ, to hear us when we pray in faith. faith. We bring bring before you you all who serve your worldwide church. Open the minds of your ministers and give them a deep understanding of the good news they preach. We give thanks for the work of our own clergy and administrators during this testing time. And we are grateful for the work of the scientists and engineers who have enabled us to develop our virtual church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. To our Queen and Government and all in administrative authority, grant wisdom and foresight in the exercise of their duties, that they may provide for the needs of all our people and fulfil our obligations to the whole community of nations. We pray for the long-term peaceful solutions in the many countries where wars and pestilence rage. Look with compassion on a world where the innocent still suffer and authority is unjust. And we remember our fellow Christians who face persecution for the sake of their faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those involved in helping our nation to recover from the effects of the coronavirus. Give strength to our health workers, our emergency services and all those on the front line. Bring them your strength and comfort through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray especially for those whose lives have been made difficult by the coronavirus, particularly those from disadvantaged groups. Give peace to those who have mental health issues and draw near to those who are facing terminal illness. Help families whose relational difficulties have been sharpened by lockdown. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, Lord, we give thanks for the lives of those who have died, especially those known to us and dear to us, who have entered into the joy of your nearer presence. Comfort all who have been bereaved, and especially families whose bereavements have been harder because they could not be with their loved ones. Grant that we may follow their example in this life and so come to share with them the glory of everlasting life, rejoicing in the fellowship of all your saints. We commend ourselves and the whole creation to your unfailing love. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of thy Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing. Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. 
He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence, as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy, Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. God, our Creator, you feed your children with the true manna, the living bread from heaven. Let this holy food sustain us through our earthly pilgrimage until we come to that place where hunger and thirst are no more. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.